This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 123. This episode will share the amazing ultra running career of Dan Brannan of Morristown, New Jersey, the pioneer of ultra running administration, who is a 2022 inductee into the American Ultra Running Hall of Fame. Guess what? I've authored and published a book on ultra running history, now available on Amazon, entitled Frank Hart, the First Black Ultra Running Star. In 1879, Hart broke the ultra-running color barrier and then broke the world's six-day record with 565 miles, fighting racism with his feet and fists. I'm sure you're going to like this book. Find it on Amazon. Search for Frank Hart, that's H-A-R-T, Frank Hart Davy Crockett, and you should pull it up. Dan Brannan has made a lifetime contribution to ultra-running and the running sport in general. His dedicated work, mostly behind the scenes, helped to establish world and national ultra-running championships. His efforts have affected thousands of ultra-runners in America and around the globe for decades. Dan Brannan was from Upper Darby, a suburb of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm talking all about the city of brotherly love. Uh-huh. Dan Brannan would make a lifetime impact on the sport of ultra running. The Brannan family were Irish Catholics, and he went to Catholic schools growing up, including St. Joseph's Prep in Philadelphia, the same school that ultra-running legend Ed Dodd attended several years earlier. In high school, Brannan was required to participate in an athletic extracurricular activity. He explained, And I was a shrimpy little kid and played Little League Baseball, but I wasn't particularly athletic. I wasn't particularly coordinated. So one of the sophomores who came in to give us help with the orientation said, Ah, if you can't do anything else, go out for cross country. So I went out for cross country my freshman year, and I was terrible at it. The cross country course was 1.6 miles and included a hill that you ran twice, and neither time could I get up that hill without walking. During his senior year, a new coach, Larry Simmons, a successful distance runner and race walker, took over the team. He lit a fire into the team and into Brannon, whose courses times dramatically fell, resulting in his promotion finally to the varsity team. His rapid success turned him into a runner for life. Brannon went on to Bucknell University in central Pennsylvania and got in on the ground floor of a new cross-country team. His coach, Art Goulden, developed a highly successful running program at Bucknell. Brannon continued to improve under his tutelage. Each year he was able to recruit faster and faster high school runners. Every year a new crop of freshmen would come in. They were state champions and it was very competitive on the team. I was able to stay with the second tier of those guys. One of the best feelings I ever had about myself was Wow, here's three guys who were high school state champions and we're in the middle of a race and I'm running with them. 
Brandon ran a few marathons during college, graduated in 1975, and joined the well-established road running scene in the Philadelphia and New Jersey area. He was a self-described running bum and lived with his parents for many years as he concentrated on his running passion. His weekly mileage would average about 100 to 120 miles per week and his personal best marathon occurred at the 1979 Boston Marathon when he ran in 2 hours, 31 minutes, 13 seconds. He was intoxicated with distance running, and it evolved into a true career. Part-time, he would work editing research manuscripts, which enhanced his writing skills. He also coached cross-country at his former high school. Good job, Matt! Good job! Open up that last mile! Good job! Brandon was a member of the Haverford Athletic Club, and he became acquainted with future ultra-running legends in the area by also racing in South New Jersey. One of the prime organizers of races, both in South Jersey and the Philadelphia area, was a guy by the name of Browning Ross, who was a great Villanova runner, Olympian. He also was instrumental in the founding of the Roadrunners Club of America. He started the Long Distance Log, which was the very first fledgling rudimentary running magazine. He was a real figurehead, great guy. At that time, he was living in South Jersey, coaching a high school team. And I would go over to South Jersey and Ed Dodd and Tom Osler were in that South Jersey circle. Brandon ventured into the short ultra running races in 1978 by running the Knickerbocker 60 kilometer in Central Park and ran in a few others the next year. In 1980, he ran 50 miles for the first time at the JFK 50 in Maryland. To convince himself that he could do well, he ran two sub-three-hour marathons on back-to-back weekends leading up to the race. Wow. Brandon went to JFK thinking that he might have a good chance to win. His specialty was gnarly, rocky technical trails. He knew that he could stay with people who were faster than him on roads, and hoped to keep up with the previous year's champion, Bill Lauder of New Jersey. I'm probably the only person ever to win the JFK in all of its history, starting in absolute dead last and going to first. When the gun went off, I was in the porta potty with my full sweats on and just rapidly completing my business and almost tripping over my sweats getting out of the porta potty and pulling my long pants off as I was trying to run at the same time, getting out to the start line and looking up the road, and I could barely see the final stragglers. Where did everyone go? I ran through most of the field for those first three road miles uphill. I think when I got on the trail, I just felt like, wow, this is, this is great. I'm at home. I just mowed my way through the field. I got to probably within three or four miles left on the Appalachian Trail and caught Bill Lauder, ran with him for a little bit, uh, chatted, and then pulled ahead of him. And by the time we got off the Appalachian Trail, I was in third place. Brandon continued on, running an ideal race. Two others ahead of him soon dropped out, and he went into the lead at about mile 20. He was later passed by Lauder on the CNO towpath, but caught him on the final long road uphill toward the finish and won by nine minutes. During the next few years, Brannon branched out and started organizing and race directing classic early ultras, including the Great Philadelphia to Atlantic City Race and the Haverford Indoor 24-Hour 
and 48-hour races. His first 100-miler was at Fort Meade, Maryland, on a track in 1981, where he finished in third place in 17 hours, 45 minutes. In later years, he would run trail 100-milers at Western States, Old Dominion, Wasatch Front, and others. In 1982, Brannon organized, ran, and won perhaps the earliest modern-day 200-mile race, the Johnny Solo Road Race across New Jersey from High Point to Cape May. The race was named after Johnny Solo, perhaps the greatest ultra-runner during the 1920s, who won the 1929 Race Across America nicknamed the Bunyan Derby. Brannon won this modern 200-miler in 61 hours, 15 minutes. At the Weston Six-Day Race later that year in New Jersey, he met Englishman Malcolm Campbell. Campbell expedited Brannon's entrance into the 1983 International La Rochelle Six-Day Race in France. Brannon finished in fifth, running 468 miles to rank as the number two American for that year. Brannon said, That was an international field and it had an international feel to it. It was a spectacular environment. It was indoors and the people in the stands surrounding the track 24 hours a day. They had a restaurant and a band playing in the middle of the track. In 1983, along with Neil Wagant, they attempted to break the world two-man 24-hour relay record of 193 miles. They made their attempt on a track at Mullins Field in Fort Meade, Maryland, and successfully surpassed the mark with 199.5 miles only to later discover that two men in South Africa had run 201 miles the same weekend. Their full story is told in episode 76. In 1985, Brannon ran 223.2 miles indoors at Haverford 48 hours to break Ray Krolowitz's 48-hour American record by a mile, only to lose it back to Krolowitz within a year. Brandon's greatest contributions to the sport of ultra-running came when he worked tirelessly to organize the sport worldwide during the late 1980s. Gary Cantrell, Lazarus Lake, wrote at the time, Thanks in a large part to Dan's efforts, our sport appears well on the way from being a mere diversion among running's fringe element to establishing a place among respected amateur sports. By the early 1980s, Brannon had male contact with Andy Milroy of England, who was involved in the collection and ranking of international ultra-statistics for several years working with Nick Marshall of Pennsylvania. Brannon recalled, It became immediately obvious to me the incredible value of Milroy. He was just like a thoroughgoing archivist and statistician, and he was in touch with other like-minded folks. In our communications, everybody was getting bits and pieces of information about ultramarathons held in places other than the United States, Great Britain, and South Africa. You know, those were the three countries that we all knew about, but it turns out that Milroy was getting some information about some events or some movements in ultra running in Japan, and there were a few things going on in France, and there were rumors that there was ultra happenings in Bolivia. The excitement and thrill of these communications inspired the idea in Brannon that ultra running could be organized at a global scale. 
He proposed the notion of an international ultra-running association through correspondence to Milroy, Edgar Paterman of Austria, and Malcolm Campbell of England. Enthused and convinced that an organization was needed, Brandon and the others went to work. In April 1984, at a three-day race in Austria, he co-founded the International Association of Ultrarunners, or IAU. Malcolm Campbell was chosen as the first IAU president, Andy Milroy as statistician, and Brannon as general secretary. Brannon would hold that position for about 15 years. Campbell had the charisma necessary to charm others and ease politics within other organizations. The goals of the association were to foster communication and cooperation between ultra-runners of all countries and to establish international guidelines for the conduct of events. In addition, they had goals to maintain ultra-running records in some form. They knew that they needed to have cooperation with other governing sports bodies. In particular, the International Association of Athletics Federations, or IAAF, the international governing body over running competitions at the time. Throughout 1985, Brannon and the other IAU executives worked to define their mission, making it clear that its activities would involve international communication and cooperation and not in competition with any governing athletics or running organizations that govern the sport. Among their first goals was to develop an international 100K and 24-hour World Championship Series. The Belgian Torot 100K declared that their 1987 race would be the, quote, world's championship. Any European race in those days could independently declare their race as a world championship. This and other perceived problems were issues that the IAU needed to solve for ultra-runners. In 1987, Brannon was involved in negotiations with the Belgian 100K in Flanders, arranging them to host the first officially designated IAU World 100K. Issues were solved, and the IAU sanctioned the 1987 championship. After the inaugural World Championship, the IAAF flexed its muscles and would not approve of letting the IAU call these events championships. Treading softly, beginning in 1988, the IAU then referred to these competitions as, quote, world challenges under the patronage of the IAAF. It would take the IAAF more than a decade to fully embrace the IAU and allow any ultramarathon to carry the designation World Championship. In 1988, the World 100K was held in northern Spain, the Santander 100K and the race saw a wider number of elite runners from multiple continents and more than a dozen nations, along with the beginning of the participation of national teams. And Trayson won with a world record 7 hours 30 minutes. The major long-lasting benefit of Brannon's work with the IAU was to establish the world championships, bringing together an international community of ultra-runners. In America, the Amateur Athletic Union, or AAU, the official governing body of sport, had been sanctioning a handful of ultras, ratifying a number of ultra records, and staging national championships since the 1960s. In 1978, the AAU was reformed by congressional federal law, 
and renamed the Athletics Congress of the USA, usually abbreviated as TAC, or TAC. In the early 1990s, it would change its name again to USA Track and Field, commonly known as USATF. In 1986, Olin Castle, a gold medal winner at the 1964 Olympics, was the executive director of TAC. He had a firm iron hand control over TAC at the time. Brandon boldly approached him, expressing the wish to bring ultra running formally into the TAC Federation. Castle firmly denied the request, feeling that ultra running was too much of an outlier compared to the rest of the running sport. Brandon didn't give up and presented the idea to the entire TAC executive committee where they voted in favor despite Castle's objections. Once that decision was made by the executive committee, it was just a matter of time until TAC recognition was achieved for ultra running. In 1988, thanks to Brandon's work, a TAC ultra subcommittee was formed with Brandon as chairman. He served in that capacity for nine years. The Ultra Subcommittee selected annual national ultra championships, made national team selections, and acted as an information resource to the ultra community. Brandon worked with race directors to help them learn how to do more meticulous race timing record keeping with split times and to get their courses properly certified. Brandon worked to help ultra running fit in and be accepted by the rest of the running world. Not all ultra runners wanted their sport to identify with any formal organizations like TAC. This especially was true for many trail ultra runners who only wanted a freewheeling, no rules sport that had more to do with, quote, adventure, risk, exploration, and discovery. But Brandon had the foresight to see the benefits of organization and communication, especially if records wanted to be recognized. He had to wade through the bureaucracy of TAC that included turf wars, power mongering, and politicking. Once we got to that point, and it was obvious that this was going to work in a significant way within the Federation structure, the ultra runners came on board. And I would go to the Federation annual meeting. After a couple of years, I wasn't the only ultra runner there. Ray Clark, Steve Warshauer, They came and they, okay, Dan, you started this, but now we're going to take up the cudgel. At the awards banquet, a thousand people there from all over the country. And we instituted the Ultra Awards and presented them. You know, the Ted Corbett Awards, the outstanding ultra runner, got to walk up and be recognized in front of the entire track and field community of the United States. Within a few years, Brannon had virtually single-handedly worked the political labyrinth of TAC to achieve status for U.S. national ultra teams and national championships. Think of it this way. Brandon attended all the boring meetings and had all the fights with the bureaucracy to make it possible for ultra runners to run, experience national teams and international races, and receive treasured awards. Brandon received some heat from critics as he continued his efforts to unify ultra running. Gary Cantrell defended his efforts in 1989. He said, Dan has strong opinions, just like the rest of us, that as a leader, spokesman, and organizer, it is mandatory that representing the majority opinion and working for the long-term welfare of the sport takes precedence over personal feelings. 
As a result, Dan has spent much of his time stuck in the middle between the stiff-necked administrators of amateur athletics and the bandits and renegades that populate the ultra-running community. Fortunately for us, Dan has played the political game with the same intelligence and dogged determination that marked his running career. In 1990, Brannon's efforts to have TAC officially recognize USA national teams were approved. Brannon also was instrumental in getting TAC, IAU, and IAAF approval for the 1990 100K World Championships to be held in America at Edmund Fitzgerald 100K in Minnesota. Brannon and Bill Wenmark, the race director, worked tirelessly on the race. The World Championship in America turned out to be amazing. All the foreigners loved it. Andy Milroy said the significance of that event was the first three places were taken by people from three different continents and two different hemispheres. Well, the Berlin Wall came down, Germany was reunited, and international ultra championships started to flourish worldwide with much thanks to Brannon. He had direct hands-on involvement in 21 U.S. National Ultra Championships, 12 100Ks, and 9 24 hours. In addition, he was the manager or coordinator for the U.S. teams at 9 World 100K Championships. Brandon's greatest memory of a world championship was at the 1995 IAU 100K in Winchanton, the Netherlands. That was the high point of America's absolute uncontested number one superstar of ultra running, Ann Trazen, who almost broke seven hours. This is a time when usually the winner of the women's World 100K would run somewhere between 740 and eight hours. But the amazing thing was the two women behind her ran what otherwise would have been world-winning performances, uh, Donna Perkins and Chrissy Durier. Both ran in the mid-740s. So it was an unbeatable team, and they set the world team time record by some ridiculous amount. I, I don't know if it's still ever been broken. The men were not expected to finish on the podium, and they did. They finished second. Tom Johnson, who was better known as a trail runner, ran the race of his life and took the individual bronze, set the American record. I just remember the atmosphere. All the national team managers and all the national team Runners just coming up and congratulating us. And it was celebratory throughout the afternoon and the evening. It was fantastic to be part of. In 1990, Brandon founded the American Ultra Running Association, or AUA, initially to serve as the USA representative organization to the IAU. It also became a member organization of USA Track and Field, giving ultra running an official voice. Under Brandon's leadership, they succeeded in expanding the USATF list of ultra events for which records were kept. The AUA also provided initial funding for USA national ultra teams and administrative support for U.S. national ultra championships. For his dedicated work, Brandon was awarded USATF's President's Award in 1992 the highest honor given to volunteers for administrative accomplishments at the national level. In 2004, with the encouragement of Kevin Setness, Brannon, as executive director of the American Ultra Running Association, established the American Ultra Running Hall of Fame. 
It was created out of concern that the USATF Hall of Fame, as large as it was with over 300 inductees, mostly from the various track and field events, would never recognize the giants of ultra running, as it is almost exclusively focused on track and field events with emphasis on success in the Olympic Games, which do not include ultra running. The initial inductees into the American Ultra Running Hall of Fame were Ted Corbett and Sandra Kitty. Brandon oversaw the Hall of Fame until 2020 when he turned it over to Davy Crockett. That's me. Dan Brannon has had a 55-year running career, including 32 years running ultras. With Ultra Running Administration fully organized and working well with both the IAU and USATF, Brannon moved on but continued to consult for years. He became one of the very few who successfully made running his career. He did it by establishing a running race timing business and for years timed local road races almost every weekend. He also became a course certifier and was the course manager for the 1988 U.S. Olympic Trials Marathon in New Jersey. He has been the official course measurer and course signage installation manager of the New York City Marathon for the past two decades. In 2022, Brandon continues to run, put on local races, and his passion is competing in adventure racing, including mountain biking, canoeing, trail running, cross-country skiing, and orienteering. World Ultra Running historian Andy Milroy wrote, Without Dan Brandon, it is entirely possible that the international ultra development would have been delayed perhaps for decades. His work in USA Track and Field Committees ensured that the U.S. Ultra Championships and team representation happened. Ultra Running Hall of Famer Kevin Setnis added, While a few people saw the importance of governance by a national governing body, no one possessed the foresight, saw the importance of, or had the political acumen to navigate the bureaucracy of USA Track and Field. Under Dan's leadership, ultra running gained acceptance within the long-distance running body. Today's recognized national championships and the formation of national teams are largely a credit to Dan Brannon's persistence. Please join me in welcoming Dan Brannon into the American Ultra Running Hall of Fame. With that, this is Davy Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances. <laughs>